0: Welcome to episode two of Poetica and Prose, the podcast. Tonight we are going to be talking about um, the writing process that Prose of the Con and I go through. So we are writing partners. That sort of happened organically. um, And we've had a lot of questions through our Instagram interactions about how that works and how how it benefits and and how what are the mechanics of that so we've put together some discussion for you about that tonight you want to say hi pros oh icon
1: hi everyone hi chris we've been talking how are you i'm
0: great how are you
1: so good always so good i'm
0: so glad i'm so glad and hello to producer paul at import manteau hi producer paul
1: hello how are you doing um who who is pros oh <laughs> douche total douche
0: he's a total douche as opposed to pros of a con who's a fine upstanding gentleman he's the very model
1: this other guy this other guy can take a fucking he hike. he can
0: he can indeed he's a he's a rascal that one
1: he owes me money <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so a few months ago, Corey and I found each other and we talked a little bit about that in our first episode and sort of organically, um, it came to be that we really began to rely on each other, um, during the writing process. So I thought that we could talk a little bit about, you know, what each of our processes are and sort of, you know, just go from there. So Corey. What is your process? Tell me how it works for you.
1: My process, how it works for me is usually something like, um, lately I get, I get some kind of story in my head. Um, it usually is from like a, some type of scenario that has happened in the past or something that I see happening in somebody else's life, generally somebody who I care about. Um, and I start thinking about, I don't know. I start thinking about what that looks like day to day. Um, how that situation plays out with them a lot of times a lot of times to be honest it's me zeroing zeroing in on and I do this to myself as well but I'll just say I notice people's character defects and I know everybody probably does that some people call it judging um but I notice things in people's lives that I don't necessarily struggle with even though I struggle with a ton of shit and uh, usually it will prompt something like, what this looks like day to day. And then I'll mull over that story. And usually I don't even realize that I'm doing it. And then a line will come. Some type of, I'll sit down to write, or most of the time I'll be driving. Most of the time, almost without fail, I'll be somewhere where I shouldn't be writing and I'll have to pull off the road or do, you know, I'll have to, in the middle of somebody's sentence, excuse me, please. I must write. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel that spark, and I and I start writing. That's uh, that's generally how it starts with me. That's my process. It sounds the beginning of my process.
0: Yeah, that's pretty similar to mine. Sometimes it starts with um, phrasing, right? So there's a a great word combination that comes to me, and I'm like, "Aha! I want to write that," and so I write it down. But a lot of times. Um, I'm listening to music and I'm inspired by lyrics or I'm going through more often than not going through a really emotional time or a highly intensive emotional experience. That's where a lot of the writing comes from for me. So pulling from that depth of emotion, uh, like right now I'm going through a breakup and so I'm getting a lot of really good material from that. (laughs) So do you listen to music when you write? I know you sent me some music this week. That's what you'd been listening to. But do you listen as you write?
1: I do not usually listen as I write. Um, I get lost in in the music. I can listen to music. You know, I can listen to music that I don't know while I write. It's kind of like sleeping for me. Um, You would think because, or I don't know you would think, but people would think that I would sleep with music on, I guess. People have said that to me, girlfriends and stuff in the past. Like, you don't sleep with music on? And I'm like... I'd rather have the TV on because most of the time if I put music on, I know the song and I start thinking about the lyrics and the melody and the way it breaks and whatever. I start uh, analyzing it and then I can't sleep. It's the same way with uh, writing most of the time or sometimes, I guess the same as I talked about before where I mull over a story and I don't realize I'm doing it. A lot of times music will, a song, a story in a song will make me realize this is what, like this relates to that the thing I've been thinking about, and then I'll start writing on it. But I generally turn the music off when I start writing.
0: That's super interesting because I listen to music while I'm writing a lot. Um, It drives the cadence of my work. Sometimes you can tell by the pace what type of music I'm listening to. What I can't listen to music during is readbacks. So when I'm either trying to get through a break on a piece um, where I can't quite move forward, and I have to do a lot of reading back of the piece to myself. I can't listen to music during that. Somehow that shorts out my brain, um, and it does sort of the same thing that you just talked about. But um, I frequently listen to music uh, as I write. So,
1: yeah, I do that too. Uh, lately, I've been doing a lot of. Um, lately, I've been doing a lot of what you just called readbacks, which I didn't know. But it'll be, um, you know, we've talked a lot lately about rhythm and flow. How I guess, yeah, flow, cadence, how it relates. For me, I'm starting to see, because I'm a musician first and for much longer, um, I'm starting to see, like I said, like I've told you recently, the tools of a writer are much more subtle than the tools of a musician. The cadence, the flow, the word choice, the rhythm of the piece. It's not use this instrument that you haven't used for two minutes into a song to signify a break or to signify something's changing. It is, but it's not a brand new instrument. Generally it's a new rhythm or something like that. And I'm starting to relate those tools a little bit, which I know well in music and don't know well in writing.
0: You're growing up.
1: I'm growing up.
0: My boy is growing up.
1: <laughs> oh, you cracked me up with that.
0: I feel like I don't really, I feel like you're being sarcastic.
1: What I really want to say is settle down, little
0: daddy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not your boy. <laughs> You're such a weirdo.
1: I'm not your boy. <laughs> not You're my, not-
0: my <laughs> girl though. Uh, yeah. Okay there, daddy O. You, <laughs> you just keep is that it a kid. <laughs> All right, tiger. Settle down. Settle down. Okay. All right, so settle
1: down there, Playa. <laughs>
0: Homie. <laughs> okay, so speaking yes. of trashy places like your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Where do you write the most? Like, what's your space? Where's your nest?
1: I think anybody who follows me on Instagram, <clears throat> that's pros of a con, in case you don't know. Plug, 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 plug. Um, anybody who follows me, watches, my, sees my story, they know I write on my fucking porch. I smoke cigarettes and write on my porch. It's like my thinking spot.
0: Do the wind chimes I love help it you? There.
1: Yeah, the wind chimes are immensely helpful. So, for those of you who don't know,
0: Corey, if you haven't, if you're not an Instagram person and you haven't been on one of our lives, there's like an 11 billion wind chimes <laughs> on his porch, and so at any given time, that's all you can hear is the ding, 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 ding. It's very soothing. It's very zen.
1: And you, where do you write?
0: Um, I write in my bedroom for the most part. So I'm like a 17 year old girl. I have my music playing. And I have my phone out, and it's like a little journal, right? And so I'm writing, and and that's pretty much where yeah. it happens.
1: It's where the magic it is, happens. Where the magic because there's legs. no other
0: magic that's happening in there right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just the writing magic that's happening. Sometimes I'm on my stomach with my, you know, my little feet dangling, and you can get the idea.
1: I love thinking of, I love thinking. That was exactly what I was going to say. I love thinking of you like with that. With my
0: Lisa Frank Trapper <laughs> Keeper.
1: With your pigtails? With my
0: pig. You just like to think of me in pigtails. That's all. (laughs) All right. So I have a question for you. I know how this works. I mean, I guess I've had questions for you before up until this point. But so Mm -hmm. when we work on pieces a lot of times, and we'll talk about like what that looks like in just a minute. But a lot of times editing happens in the moment, right? I mean, how many times have we been working on something? I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I, you know, I make edits as we go. So I know that as part of our process, that happens. But when you're writing on your own, do you edit immediately? Or do you write the whole piece and then go back and look at it?
1: Um, if I'm in the flow, if I'm feeling it, I do not edit. It hinders me. Um, and I've been trying a lot to, I didn't realize that until, I don't know, about probably a month ago. Um, I try to put the, the editor on the back burner. I I try to go, if I have some, if I want to use a semicolon and I'm not quite sure I go, eh, I'll ask Chris later if that can go there, if it could be something else, but who gives a shit right now? Just keep going. You're in the flow. I don't want to break that. Um, You know, the flow, the inspiration, the whatever, whatever the hell you call it, that feeling that I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: totally. It's the same for me. I think if you're in the vein and and it's everything is flowing, then you just excuse me, you just kind of get through it. Um, I do. I'm really focused about my word choice, though. And so I do find, especially these days, that I will do a read back halfway through, even if I'm in the flow and look and make sure that the word choice is where it's supposed to be. I don't really worry about line breaks. I really don't really worry, worry about punctuation. I just want to make sure that the word choice is saying what I want it to say.
1: Yeah, I guess that's the same for me. I, uh, that's why I've been doing a lot of readbacks lately. I, I go back through it. I'm usually about halfway through. I'll go back through it once or twice. And if it's on and it's fine, I'll move on. Um, I hear it pretty well as I do it, but sometimes there's something where it's like, eh, I could, I could change this around. And I think the biggest reason why I do it right then is because I'm going to read it back again and try to stay in that flow. Right.
0: When here's a weird question: When you do you hear your voice when you're doing a readback, or do you hear like a nebulous voice, or do you hear somebody's voice? Like when you're doing when you're you're reading your work, what do you hear?
1: I only hear your voice, Chris. <laughs>
0: As it well should be. As it should be.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. Settle down. Oh, whatever. I hear hear my own voice. I do. Um, And more lately, which is funny because I never thought of it like that when I started writing. I thought, I guess I just imagined somebody reading it and, oh, this is going to flow. And you are one of the people that have told me this, but multiple people have told me this. I talk like I write. Yes. My... My rhythm, whatever my cadence, the way I talk is is the way I write. And as another thing, with those readbacks, is another little tool that I've been using and relying on more lately. Is like, does this sound? If if anything sounds weird, what what decides that it sounds weird is that it's not how I would talk, so it sounds off.
0: To oh, me. okay, that is um, new.
1: How about you? You hear your own voice?
0: Um, more and more lately, I hear people who read better than me. <laughs> And so as I read it, I try Uh, to think of like, you know, um, Kat, Misguided Ivy. She's a great spoken mm -hmm. word artist. And we're actually going to have an episode with an interview with her coming up soon, which I'm super excited about. Um, Mm -hmm. But I try to hear it from the perspective of like somebody like her or Wonderland, who's our our cast, um, so that I can hear it outside of myself because I've never really heard it in my voice. I always hear it in some sort of narrator's voice. Maybe I hear it in like Sam Jackson's voice. I don't know. <laughs> He's gonna, Morgan Freeman's going to narrate my poetry. Um, nice. So now I always I hear somebody else's voice. Totally.
1: Yeah, this uh, we're going to talk about pieces here in a little bit. And <clears throat> um, excuse me, the piece that I started playing with today, maybe a couple days ago, but kind of reworked it today. Um, I kept hearing it actually. I kept thinking it was funny, because, and you'll probably understand why, in Cass's voice, uh, Wonderland, yes. because just uh, the dramatic way that she reads things, which I love, um, this this is kind of a choppier, strange uh, rhyming places and stuff like that. Anyways, you'll hear it, but I, I heard this piece in her voice, just kind of the way she does it with the passion. So it's cool to know other writers and people that do stuff Wait, like that. Wait, will you
0: read it? Read it for me. I want to hear it.
1: I will read it for you. Is it that time? Is it that oh, time? Oh, who cares
0: about the time? Just read it. I want to hear it.
1: Okay. Um, so, this is something that I need help with.
0: Okay. I'm here to help.
1: All right. All right. I lived for you. Breathed for you. Slow and steady, like the seasons ease through you, like a breeze through trees, I could only see me through you. I held fast to you. My heart collapsed for you, gripped tight to maps for you, and looked past this last relapse for you, and this last, and this last relapse for you. But I can't be holding me for you, the only one holding me for you. I can't, I wish things weren't, I wish things weren't this way for you, or someday for you. I can't be the thing you cling to when you don't have the thing you mean to. I can't live for you. I can't breathe for you. I'm not me for you.
0: Fuck.
1: I can totally hear Cass reading that too. Yes. Yeah, it's got that that thing.
0: Isn't that funny how our work is influenced by the people that, I mean, essentially it's being influenced by the people who are going to present it in some ways. Because I find myself doing that too. I listen to like Melissa Marie's work, I listen to Kat's work, I listen to mm-hmm. Cass's work, and I find that I try to write in that rhythm too. But I want to go back to the piece because mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. Thank you. And and you read that very differently than you usually read.
1: I started getting all it's funny stuff like that. Um so this isn't recent. These feelings aren't recent, but it's funny when I, I realize, um, these feelings are something that I didn't deal with. Yeah, um, I
0: see that coming up a and lot especially, in work, actually.
1: Yeah, and especially you know me and you know my story on a more personal level than um, anybody, and uh, y- you know that that's something that I dealt with probably two years ago, and then throughout that year, and then for a while longer, and then thought I forgave, and then realized I didn't, and then tried to forgive again and here I am recently thinking I forgave something and then that piece came out today and it was extremely emotional.
0: Yeah, I could tell. I mean you were really invested in it as you read. Usually you have a a detachment when you read a piece. I don't know if you you know that mm-hmm. or not, but um, you typically have this this that same objective logic that you speak with and you analyze poetry with, Um, which by Mm -hmm. the way, if you're a poet and you ever want a great critique and analysis of your work that is devoid of judgment, talk to Corey, because Corey is one of the most spot on critics and critiquers of poetry that I've ever met. He systematically breaks it down and it's incredible. Um, but I heard the tension. You're welcome. I heard the tension. I heard the emotion in the piece, Um, and I got to tell you, I think it's done.
1: Okay. And (laughs) I thought you might say that. And what's funny is I always I'll read it to myself. I'll read it to myself. And then there's something about even though I read it to myself out loud, there's something about I can feel that somebody like there's something about uh, about the emotion that changes and makes it tenfold when you're reading it to somebody else. And when your heart starts pounding when you're doing it. And when I got to the end, I'm like, I thought the same thing. I'm like, I think this piece might be done, which was not planned. I thought maybe you'd have a critique for it, but well, I,
0: I do have a question. So there were a couple of okay. stutters in there where there were words repeated. Was mm-hmm. that part of your reading or is that part of the piece?
1: It's part good. of the good.
0: Oh my God. I'm so glad that you said that because I'm like, that's fucking genius. It's perfect.
1: Yeah. I started, I've seen people do that and use it kind of as a tool to like drive something home. And it didn't. And and I love how it's kind of a break and it's like this, remember we were talking earlier and I had said, um, we were actually talking about Nick's piece, Nick Danko. um, And I was telling you, I just loved the flow and how he broke the flow a bit in the end and it changed the mood. And I had told you, I've been noticing that a lot with writing. So everybody knows because I mention this all the time, but uh, writing is new to me. I'm like a kid with a toy. I love it. And I love to learn things about it and analyze what other people are doing and make it my own thing. And it's just, uh, I'm really enjoying it.
0: You're a kid with a box, not a toy. And that box is a million different things, right? It's a castle, it's a fort, it's a boat, you know, it's been such a joy to watch you expand and kind of branch and you know, grow into your, your writing body, I guess. Um, and and I'm liking seeing the experimental stuff that you're doing. So I would really encourage everybody to go check out your page and plug, plug <laughs> just because I love plug, you plug. and I I'm so impressed with what you're working on. So, um, just real quick, I wanted to ask you, do you feel like your process has changed at all since we started working together?
1: Oh my gosh. It I don't know how much of a process I had before. And you know, when we started working together, um, I had told you I remember we talked about this. I can't write more than two lines unless it rhymes. I cannot write more than two lines unless it rhymes because if it goes to a third line, that has to rhyme with the first line, and so anyways, I think all I'm not saying everything that um my writing has turned into is directly attributed to you, but everything that my writing turned in has turned into you've had something to do with or help me see something or just encourage me to keep writing. And then I've seen something somewhere else. I just, it's really cool. I don't know the analogy, but I'm a kid with a box and you're somebody who's, I don't know. I don't know the analogy played with that box done everything you could with that box. And I can just ask you, Hey, how did this work out? How is this thing? Do you like this? And you know, do you like this and people's stuff? Do you not? And it doesn't always mean I'll, I'll like what you like, but I like to hear your opinion. And that's, uh, that's great for me. It's been great. for Thank you.
0: I feel the same way about you. I mean, I think that there's a deep mutual respect between us, not just as people, but as writers. Um, And I think that we Mm -hmm. both really see things that we value in the other person's style that doesn't exist. And so I I think mine has changed too. Um, uh, I think mine has changed a lot. So I guess for me, the process has changed a lot because I never shared my work with anybody before. I've never let anybody critique it. I was always very protective of it and felt like if I opened up for critique from another writer, that somehow it wouldn't be my work anymore. And so I... It was a very vulnerable process when you and I started to share, which happened in, I mean, it's not as if, it's not as if we just decided to be writing partners one day. <laughs> we just started to work. We were reading each other pieces and we were getting, um, you know, we were getting feedback from each other. And then all of a sudden, bam this is just sort of the thing that we did. It became a a staple of how we work. And so when I first started to share with you, I was really just territorial and and weird about sharing it and now Um, you know, to the point that once we started, I started a a writer's feedback group on Instagram so that we would have a wider range of people to be able to look at pieces if you weren't available or if I wasn't available. And so it's been really nice to be able to say, Hey, can you take a look at this and get somebody else's perspective? I feel like my writing has grown by leaps and bounds because other people with other styles have been able to say, you know what? I know what to expect from your work. Um, this just doesn't punch as hard. Um, and the other thing, too, is that you specifically push me very hard to be as naked and as raw and as real as possible. And I felt like I was doing a good job of that at the time. You know, I felt like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a badass and I just I put my shit out there. And, and I did to an extent, but I look back at some of those older pieces and I think you pulled punches. You, you didn't, you weren't as authentic as you could have been. And I have found since you've pushed me and there's one particular piece in mind that I'm thinking of, and I'll reference that in just a second. There's one, you you know, you, you pushed me to, to say, this is, you know, you prettied this up. This should have, this should have been more raw It could have been more powerful, were the words that you used, but you prettied it up. And I realized that when I really hit those deep vulnerabilities, what ends up happening is I use really lovely words or turns of phrases to be clever about it and to hide the nakedness of how I was feeling. And Mm so there was a piece, ironically, it's the piece, Corey, I think you remember, um, it was actually the night that. I realized that the morning after. I guess I realized that I had a drinking problem, mm-hmm. um, and it, it was a pretty it was a pretty raw piece. Um, and in the end, you gave me some feedback on it, and I still pretty it up. And at the end, you know, when I posted it, you said you basically told me I was hiding behind the words still and you'd like to see me stop doing that. And I went back and I read it and I thought, you know what I did. So I'm going to share that piece because this is one of the first ones I think that we really, we really gave each other some, some hard feedback on. Okay. I woke up ashamed again, wishing that last night was still a blur, but empty bottles and ashtrays are gossips and the man in my bed is a stranger. Corey won't let me lie to myself and isn't kind enough to wait till morning to let me take in the truth with coffee and aspirin. He just spits it into my mouth, bitter and dry, to swallow like a bird feeding its young. I'm in trouble and he knows it. Everyone knows it. Fuck, I know it. I pull the sheet around me, rummage for my t-shirt and dignity. I find my shirt, but dignity left sometime in the night, eyes averted. It's time I cleaned house. I pour out the bottles and I put out the trash. I look myself in the eye for the first time in a long time. And I see someone who is worth saving.
1: God, that piece is powerful.
0: (laughs) Thank you. It was a, it it was a, thank you. It was a powerful piece, but there are very specific things in there that I see that trend you're talking about. The the bit about to swallow like a bird feeding. It's young. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't, that doesn't, add value at all. It's an image, but it doesn't add value. But in particular, the ending. So the truth is, that morning, I was hung over and I was ashamed. And when I looked myself in the mirror, I wondered if I could be saved. I didn't Mm -hmm. see that there was someone to be saved. That wasn't, I wrote myself a happy ending and that piece of feedback from you resonated so significantly that I thought I can't do that anymore. If I'm going to write authentically, I have to write authentically, like really authentically and tell the the whole truth. Um, And so when we talk about has, has my process changed? Yes. My whole writing has changed as a result of working with you.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I can see that definitely I can see that your writing has has changed. Um let's talk about pieces that we've worked on together because you're making me think of I remember when uh I remember when I started writing I always call it the heroin piece. It's called Junkie. Um and I had never written anything on Instagram about something besides I guess love or hate or The fucked up shit in relationships or whatever. I mean, I don't want to say it's just about love because that's generally my stuff is not from that view, the way you would think about it. Um, But I had written a piece about my heroin addiction and what it did to my family and what it did to my friends and what they all called it. Um, And I remember I did the same kind of thing. I put I put hope at the end of it, which I guess I said hope for somebody else. But um, I, wasn't, I wasn't unhappy with how it ended. I actually loved the way it ended. But the thing that made me do that was, which I've written about it since, and I've said what I really want to say, which is all these terrible things, but I still think about getting high. And that's the truth.
0: Yes. <laughs> and that piece was so powerful. so powerful like w- will you read it
1: um i don't know if i have it here okay. but oh yeah of course i do um but well before i do that while i'm looking for it let's talk about writer's block
0: oh jeez. okay
1: yes because the reason i'm looking for this piece is because i pitched a baby man size fit about three weeks ago i didn't close my instagram at least but um i delete i mean i archived everything Um, Part of it was about a fit. Part of it was just because, well, it was mostly about a fit, I think. I just needed to start over. I needed to do something different. I was a little bored with myself. And a lot of that stemmed from, as you know, that I'd been complaining about writer's block. I can't fucking write. What do you do when you can't write?
0: (laughs) I was bored of you, too. No. (laughs) I was tired of your man-size, little man-baby-size fits. No, no. I, I, (laughs) I give you a hard time, but seriously, I wasn't. I get it. Oh, God, what do I do for writer's block? I don't know. I had writer's block for like 10, 12 years, and I didn't do anything about it except move to photography. Um, But in general, with writer's block, for me, I just try to do discipline-based writing. So I'll work on a form like haiku or a rhyme. I have like, you know, I have these little object poems that I write. Yeah, I
1: love them. (laughs) I do. I love them. Bad
0: penny with just a little shine.
1: I love that one.
0: Always. always turning up begging to be mine.
1: That's right. They're cool.
0: (laughs) So I work on those. Um, You know, people say that they take walks in nature and stuff like that. And and I guess I do sometimes, but a lot of times I listen to music, I try to find something new to listen to. And I just Mm -hmm. trust that it's going to come, you know, if even the discipline writing isn't working, you know, I try to write something every day. But if I just can't, then I don't. Because I find if I end up pushing it, I get panicked, and I get really afraid that I'm not going to be able to write anymore. I mean, you and I've talked about this a number of times, you're always afraid that the last good thing you wrote is the last thing that you wrote. And was it good? And you know, all of those things. And I feel like I can't get caught up in my head with that. And so I just have to let it rest. Um, and from from an Instagram Perspective. I'll repost some older pieces or something so that my presence stays there and that my followers are hearing from me. Um, but I just I try not to push it and I try to trust that it comes. So I, you dealt with it in a very different way. I mean, you totally overhauled the way you do things. Like, how do you how do you deal with it otherwise? This is such a different. It's just a departure from how you've dealt with it in the past.
1: Yeah, I think this time I just. Um... This time I had put it on hold enough. Like so, what I did originally was, and I think you talk about like you said because you've experienced before. Um, if I just sometimes I just can't write, and I don't try to force it because then I get into this almost like panic mode. Um, and you have the you know experience of the past to tell you it's coming back. It's not leaving. It's not what I do. It's who I am. And for me, I still wonder if I'm a writer. So when it goes or when it went for. I called it a long period of time as about three weeks, maybe a month, and I wasn't getting anything. I start to struggle with maybe I'm maybe I'm just not a writer. Maybe that's just you know something. You're else. Some
0: <laughs> You're such a writer. You are sorry. Well, re- it is. I mean, to call you on the bullshit. You're a writer. You say it all the time. Are you compelled to write? Yeah. Then you're a writer.
1: Yeah, but it's that's a real fear. That's a real thing. So, um. I uh, I can't remember what I was saying.
0: <laughs> I apologize. How you dealt with writer's block before versus now. You didn't trust Oh, that so this. Was-
1: yeah, so this time, I, uh, I think I realized I was pitching a fit. And what I really realized, I think I was talking to Cap. And I realized that um, I wasn't giving... Oh, no, I was talking to Ryan King. So, Bayou King. And I realized that I wasn't giving at the time. He was painting. He was doing all sorts of stuff. He was being creative. And I think I was giving writing and being creative a very small amount of time, but expecting something to happen. And I wasn't being like, you were talking about disciplined about it. Um, because the last couple of times I've been disciplined, nothing happened. And so I was just like, eh, I'm not inspired. I don't, I'm not going to write anything good. So I got up in the morning, I don't know, two hours before I had to be to work. And I thought, I'm going to sit on my porch and smoke cigarettes and just write whatever. And something came out, something that I liked. And I I think I posted the second piece since I'd archived everything on my page. And I've been having fun with the imaging too. But I think just getting creative and giving it time, like giving it time every day, even when you don't want anything and try not to expect something.
0: I think that's super wise. I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head right there, which is give it the time, but don't expect anything. And I think what's come out of both of us as a result of that. And I think it's, it's trust. So I think some of it too, I would attribute to, and I I hope I'm not being bold when I say this, I would attribute to our relationship as partners. Um, because you know that you have somebody it's safer because you know, you have somebody who's going to push you and call you on your bullshit. Yeah. And so, I mean, I gave you your space, but then I called you on your bullshit.
1: Yeah. And, um, even in the time that I wasn't writing for a bit, it was nice to have you to go when I was like, when I wrote something that I'm like, pretty sure this is good. <laughs> but I'm going to call Chris because I don't fucking trust myself anymore. Right? Yeah. So I called you and you were like, it's good. It's really good. You know, and so it's just helpful because I trust you. I trust when you say it's good. You've told me when it's shit. So I trust when you say it's good. I have a problem with everything is good because then I then it takes the value from when you say anything is good.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I know, I mean, it can be tough. Um, and we should talk about that. Like, I really want you to read the heroin piece. Um, but I want to talk about that. Like, Do we get sensitive about
1: about critique,
0: but read, I want to hear the heroin piece, please.
1: Okay. So this is the piece we were talking about earlier. My friends called it. He just disappeared. My band called it. He had so much potential. My dad called it. Why is he losing so much weight? My sister called it, Mom, please do something. And my mother called it, What can I do? My wife, she was so sweet, she called it, We'll get through this, let me help you. And I called it, Fuck you, I don't need help, I've got this under control. But when my daughter called it, What's wrong with my daddy? My wife had called it, Daddy's sick one too many times, and she finally just called it. I'm not sure what to call what happened next, but the phrase downward spiral comes to mind. And I remembered when I used to call it, I've got this under control. It's just Vicodin. It's just a little fun. Then it was just Percocet, Oxycodone, Oxycontin, Methadone, Morphine, Fentanyl, and eventually I called it something I thought I never would, heroin. The cop called it, Mr. Young, step out of the vehicle. My lawyer called it, you'll be lucky if you get a plea. The judge called it, in the case of the state of Oregon versus Corey Young, I find the defendant guilty. The words convicted felon are a life sentence in this country, and at that point I called it, I had so much potential, how in the fuck did I get here? Doctors call it addiction, and at church they call it sin. I've been clean two years now, and my desire is that after reading this, you may be able to call it hope for someone you love, where you never could before. But maybe you'll just call it disgusting junkie, and who could blame you? Before all this, I used to call it that too.
0: I could hear it in your voice again. Is your heart pounding?
1: Yes, that's hard to read.
0: (laughs) It's hard to read. I haven't
1: read that in a long time. I know,
0: but it's such a powerful piece. And I mean, it should. It should move you because it moves everyone else. It moved me. It did move you. How far did it move you? Are you okay? You going to be all right? You going (laughs) to cry a
1: little bit? No, stop that. (laughs) Don't cry. You just want me to cry. You
0: cry all the time, you big old baby. (laughs) You're such a liar. (laughs) I am lying. He only cried when he read the uh, acknowledgments of my book because
1: I did cry
0: as well. You should,
1: you, you sent it to me once a few weeks, maybe a few weeks before I actually saw it in print. And I teared up then. And then when I got your book and read your, uh, you signed it and you put a little, little something, something in there for me. And I just teared up when I read that thing. And I was just like, fuck you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was my goal. Sorry. It was my goal the whole time. Yes. I meant every word of it, though, both times, both times. Thank you. So um, we one of the things we said we were going to talk about is do people get, like, do we get sensitive about the stuff that we write? And yep. I would like to be able to say no, that we don't. And I think 98% of the time we don't. But there was one piece that we worked on that I was so sure it needed to be the way that it was. And you just kept telling me it wasn't, you didn't ever say it wasn't good enough, but you were telling me it wasn't good enough. And it was the snow piece. Do you remember that one?
1: I remember it. Absolutely. The Inuit words for snow. Yes.
0: And so I'm going to read it. And I'm going to tell you the story about why it works now and it didn't work before because this is a really great example of not only how you overcome the sensitivity because it did it's not that it hurt my feelings i was just positive about what i wanted to say and Mm -hmm. how long we hammered at this piece for days like i put i never put pieces away and i put it away because Mm -hmm. i knew it wasn't ready if you said it wasn't ready um but this is um this is this is how it reads tonight i am far from home There are stars pricking this painful dark, bleeding light where none is welcome. Tonight, there are as many kinds of aching in me as the Inuit have words for snow snow on the ground, aput. I lay still and cold, waiting always for you to come home. Falling snow, kana. I have fallen to my knees under the weight of your absence. Drifting snow, pixarpak. You are my anchor. Without you, I have no weight, no sense of direction. Tonight, the list is as long as the endless days and miles without you, and I cannot help but reach for my phone a thousand times to tell you how I need you. But the terrible truth of us is that tonight, you don't need me. You don't ache for me in old and numberless ways. You only ever wanted the snow to break, and me along with it.
1: Fuck. (sighs) Chills. I got chills.
0: Did you? When
1: you... When you said the truth of tonight is you don't need me, I got chills. Oh, wow.
0: Good. I'm glad I did my job well then. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what changed in that piece?
1: I do. I remember what changed in that piece. What changed? I believe it was a simple just swap of definition for word. It
0: was. I started with the Inuit word first and then defined it. And all I did in that whole piece is move the Inuit words to a parenthetical statement at the end of the def- at the end instead of the beginning.
1: Yeah, and to me it made all the difference. I I just kept saying, I think. Well, I remember the first feedback I gave you on it was when somebody hits. It had nothing to do with the piece. It just had to do with I'm telling you as if I was reading this. When I hit that first word that I didn't understand and couldn't say because I was saying you're reading it. It's beautiful, but. When I hit that first word before the definition, and I can't say it, and I don't know what the fuck it means, uh, it just puts a break in in the emotion, the flow of it.
0: And, and you were absolutely right about that. And I'm so great. I mean, that's why this process works, people. That's why it works is because, you know, that was a good piece. It was solid on its own, but it became something much stronger and much better just by having you know, the virtue of having somebody else look at it and talk to it. And specifically in my case, Corey, I I mean, I would strongly recommend if you find a writing partner, you're, you're going to know it's going to feel right. And I think everybody should, because it's a mirror that you hold up to yourself. Um, And and everybody needs the ego check. I mean, as writers, we are um, a little narcissistic just by nature,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little, a
0: little, just a little bit by nature. And so we, you know, even though we all question our talent at times, you know, we think that we know what's best about our writing. And sometimes we don't because we're too close to it. And to open yourself up to someone who has the ability and, and you have the trust with to say, it's not done. There's nothing judgmental or, or value based about that, that those are the words that pass Corey and I's mouths the most it's done or it's not done or it has good bones, mm-hmm. that's usually it could be code more powerful. for, mm-hmm. it could be more powerful. That's right. That's right. So. Yeah,
1: I will just say if you, if you have somebody that I will say this wasn't and we've I think we've kind of hammered on this, but I just want to say it wasn't as structured as it sounds. I'm not sure how easy it is to find somebody that you trust their feedback and all that. What I would generally start with is probably just somebody that you admire their work or like their work and, um, have a natural, have a natural friendship with just, uh, you know, nurture that and then see what, what that turns into. Because if you start out with something like you're probably not going to be able to pinpoint who the person is you need, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place, but you should start talking about your work with other writers. I wouldn't start talking about other people's work, but (laughs) at the beginning, but start talking about, reach out to somebody and see if they're willing to, you know, just take a look at something for you. That's probably a great place to start.
0: And I would just, I would just add to that, I would encourage that you find someone whose work intimidates you, somebody that you think you can learn from and you can grow from. Um, I think that that's an important piece to this. Um, now, you can certainly find someone that you, you you know, have that friendship and that kinship with, but for sure, um, if there's somebody that you can learn from, I have found the poets on Instagram to be eminently generous with their time and their critique. Um, Nobody quite like you and I, I mean, I don't, I don't, we have something. So I think, I think we have something pretty special. Um, And I think other people recognize that, but I think it's attainable for other people as well.
1: I agree. Chris, so what have you been working on?
0: Um, well, I've been writing a lot this week, but it's been slowing down. So I have a couple of pieces that I was actually going to call you about later. So if we could work on them now, that would be great. Excellent. Okay, one of them is new and one of them is old. So the first one, I'm not done with, and I just kind of want to know if it's something, if it's going in the right direction. Um, it doesn't have a title yet. So it reads... Far away from here is a woman with a heart made for loving. She calls her mother every day and kisses her daughter on the head each night at bedtime. She walks her dog and gets the mail and lives the way responsible people do. Here in this house, there is a woman lost in a maze of hurt and love, so entwined together that there appears no way out. She wears her shirt to bed and won't change the sheets. She doesn't shower or cook and she takes no phone calls. She's gone gray and her eyes have faded and she doesn't know why.
1: Damn. Yeah, it's something. You think so? Yeah. I don't so know where it's going. I, like. I don't know where it's going either, but there's a ton of stuff I like, and I like the, the honesty in it. I like how you approach it like a story.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, describing this woman. Can you read it again?
0: Yeah. Far away from here is a woman with a heart made for loving. She calls her mother every day and kisses her daughter on the head each night at bedtime. She walks her dog and gets the mail and lives the way responsible people do. Here in this house, there is a woman lost in a maze of hurt and love, so entwined together that there appears no way out. She wears your shirt to bed and won't change the sheets. She doesn't shower or cook, and she takes no phone calls. She's gone gray, and her eyes have faded, and she doesn't know why.
1: I would would love if this was somehow... The woman that you're talking about who lives here, if you could somehow get, I don't know how this happens, but it's an idea. If you could somehow get one of them to give the other one advice or to let the reader know that the story, that the woman in your story, the second woman would like to figure out how to get back to the place that the first woman is far away.
0: I like that a lot. Okay. Because what I'm struggling with is this started out as another heartbroken piece. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm finding as I write it that these things are also signs of depression and they're issues that obviously, you know, I, I struggle with. Um, and so I'd be interested to know, like, is there a direction that you feel like does, does it lead you in one direction or another? Is it both? I this, I don't want to complicate it is the problem.
1: This What this looks like to me is I don't struggle with depression, but... You know that I'm very analytical about everything. Um, and I'm also analytical or that includes myself. and so I do this what you're doing right now. I do this often. I look at who I was two months ago when I felt great. Yours is kind of yours this is kind of the same. I look at myself two months ago when things were going well, when I was writing well, when my heart was in the right place, when I wasn't treating people like dog shit or being a prideful fuck up and I go, what have I changed from those two months, you know, back in, you know, December and whatever to now, what, what has changed to why I'm, why am I being the man I'm being today and not the man I was two months ago? Those are just ideas and things to think about, but that is what I see you doing in this piece. Even though you're saying far away, it's somebody who you were.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it wasn't that far away, but that's like, I, <laughs> <laughs> as I started, it's so funny how stuff comes out. You I mean, you were talking about this earlier where it's like you, sometimes you sit down and you start to write something and a whole different thing comes out that you weren't expecting. Yeah. And it's like, these are the things that I'm really struggling with right now as I don't all of those things I'm struggling with right now. And they're all, they're part of heartbreak and they're part of depression and I can't untangle them. And so I love the idea of going back and having that one woman give advice to the other.
1: Yeah. And I, and it might not even be advice. It might be just, I mean, it might not even be her giving the advice. It might just be the culmination might just be that, you know, this woman somehow needs to get to that woman or, you know what I mean? Something like that. And it's kind of a, in the vein of stuff you've been writing. Um, one off the top of my head, it's kind of, this is in the past. this is what's gonna come in the future, and you you've been you know counting down days on those those that series of pieces mm-hmm. um, and then the one that we talked about earlier, which was just a short little something, but you had said, uh, I can't remember it was about your favorite song.
0: I used to love this song someday I'll used to love you
1: exactly, and so you're you have it's a theme in your writing right now where it's like. This is what it used to be. This is this, this is what it is right now. And I'm waiting for what it will be, or I'm hoping that it can be again.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. Okay. That gives me a direction to go in because I started this and I really faltered at that point. Like, she doesn't know why, what, you know, mm-hmm. what, what she does know why I think is the other thing. And that's, that's the other thing is getting away from, I don't want to admit that I'm in a depression. I don't want to admit those things. That's raw and it. Makes me vulnerable. So,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I make it more powerful. Okay, can I do another one?
1: Absolutely. I thought you this. So, this one you had said was maybe older reworked. I didn't catch that.
0: It is. It's the, it's always the small snows that cause the most damage.
1: I remember when you, I remember when you thought of this line.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. And
1: you had said, I really like this line. And then we had talked about it. And what I remember of this conversation was it was a little shorter than you wanted it to be. And you weren't sure if it said everything. And I said, it can be exactly what it is because it describes a feeling. Is this the piece I'm thinking of?
0: It is. It is. But you also said it wasn't done. And I haven't done anything else with it. So I, it's been a while since we picked it up and looked at it. All right.
1: Let's so hear I'm,
0: it. I'm curious. So, okay. I knew we would crash on these untreated roads of suspicion and disappointment. Propped up by a passion that sometimes passes for love. It wasn't a blizzard making the road to you impassable, but instead the finest covering on the quiet, unsuspecting world outside. It's always the small snows that cause the most damage. You think you know what you're doing. You think you have it under control, but no one takes the small snows seriously. And so they fall like us onto pavement cold enough to freeze in a moment. We froze in a moment and then we crashed. It's always the small snows that cause the most damage."
1: So I like, I like it a lot and I apologize that I do this, but I need to hear it again. Sure. Yeah.
0: I knew we would crash on these untreated roads of suspicion and disappointment propped up by a passion that sometimes passes for love. It wasn't a blizzard making the road to you impassable, but instead the finest covering on the quiet, unsuspecting world outside. It's always the small snows that cause the most damage You think you know what you're doing you think you have it under control but no one takes the small snows seriously and so they fall like us onto pavement cold enough to freeze in a moment we froze in a moment and then we crashed it's always the small snows that cause the most damage
1: i feel like this ends with and it's always the something that some some something i know that's not extremely helpful I told you I've been listening to rhythm a lot lately, but it's like that line, it's always the small snows that cause the most damage. And you have literally went through what that means in a few different little stanzas there. And it's like the, I mean, this piece is very close to done to me. It's like one line away and I don't know what it is, but it's like, it's always the small snows that cause the most damage. And it's something I don't so know. So it's
0: like, and then, and then follow it with, it's always,
1: yeah, it's always, and it has to be something that relates to with the story that you're talking about. Right. Um, God, that just sounds so obvious. But it's like, no, I, what I'm trying to get across is this piece is like just about done. It to is. Me. It's
0: the same thing you said the first time that we read it. So, mm-hmm. it's always the small snows that cause the most damage. It's always.
1: You could talk about it's always, you know, my something that takes. You know, like, my, I'm, I'm going to just say heart. It's always my heart that takes the... I'm trying to say, like, the brunt of the small small stoves, but I'm not saying those words. Read my mind. Like, it's I'm always the small that the most damage. It's always my heart or my whatever that... Something with the small snow, you know?
0: It's always the little things stands out to me. So, it's always the small snows that cause the most damage. It's always the little things that... Come crashing down, or
1: leave me this way, or they do. It's something always the
0: little you. things that leave us
1: like this. This way, it's always the small snow. It's always the small snows that cause the most damage. It's all, see. This is one of those times for me.
0: <laughs> I apologize.
1: We've got a little bit of a, the dog barking. She'll hush up in just a minute. I'll just keep talking about this. So it's always the small snows that cause the most damage. This is one of those scenarios where Chris would tell me um, a certain thing, I think, and I would say something different, which <clears throat> she'll point out sometimes when I use the same word, which I realize what she's saying. But in this scenario, I'd probably say something like it's it's always the small snows that call, cause the most damage. It's always the small snows. I might even say it's like the small snows that lead me back here or something yes. like that.
0: So I, <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. I have, I have a corgi and she thinks she's like a freaking bulldog. Um, It's always the small snows that cause damage. It's always the little things that leave us cold.
1: Oh yes. That is so <laughs> good. Yes.
0: Okay. Should I read it one more time? Absolutely. Okay. I knew we would crash on these untreated roads of suspicion and disappointment, propped up by a passion that sometimes passes for love. It wasn't a blizzard making the road to you impassable, but instead the finest covering on the quiet, unsuspecting world outside. It's always the small snows that cause the most damage. You think you know what you're doing. You think you have it under control, but no one takes the small snows seriously. And so they fall like us on pavement, cold enough to freeze in a moment. We froze in a moment and then we crashed. It's always the small snows that cause the most damage. It's always the little things that leave us cold.
1: Damn. I love it. Yeah. It's perfect. Yes. It's perfect. Is it done? It. Yeah, it's done. Is it done? Sure. Yeah! Yes. So <laughs> nice. since it's done, let's talk a little bit about the image process that we've been talking about a lot lately.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it doesn't have to be photos. It doesn't have to be whatever, but um, what do you love? What do you not love other people's your own when you see...
0: I love simplicity. Okay. Cece Lancaster, who is a very dear friend of both of us. That's right. Once told me I shared a piece with him that was just in my notepad. Mm -hmm. And this was back when I still did digital work instead of the analog work that I did. And for those of you who are not on Instagram, my process, I write with a typewriter and then I, I call it dressing my poems. I dress them with like trinkets and then I take photos of them. Um, And I remember CC reading my, one of my pieces and and being, you know what? I had no idea you were such a good writer (laughs) because he said, seeing it just the words standing on their own, you know, the simplicity is, is there. And I, I, find that I'm attracted to that so I, I've definitely driven my own work to it um, and I find that I'm really attracted to that in other people's work now that's not to say there isn't some amazing digital imagery that's going on out there um, but i'm I'm proud of the imaging process that I go through and I like I like that aesthetic and I like what I see in other in other people. And I personally, as I create the pieces, I enjoy the challenge of trying to find something that represents the piece. And so trying to find a tangible object that is going to either complement or drive home the point of the piece. um, It's a, it's like a puzzle and, and I, it's something to, solve. I never get bored with it. And I think you're, you're starting to find that too now that you're doing some analog work.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I used to just kill myself over finding some art and changing it and making it work with the piece and all that. And I, I love that there's a challenge to that too. Um, but lately, and, and those are the pieces that I, well, for a while I was doing that. And then I was just like, I want it to be about the words and I was, my writing was changing and I was trying to grow and do something different and I didn't want to be spending time on the image. Um, and so, I just started doing a little black heart next to my name. Mm -hmm. Um, And I posted a lot of pieces that way, wrote longer stuff that way. And then recently when I got bored with myself, because I really like doing, I really like doing some type of imaging or dressing the poem. Um, When I pulled everything, I I started doing the photo, taking a real photo of mostly just simplistic objects, which say a lot and relate to the piece. And that's been really fun. Um, I originally had talked to you about doing that and I, didn't want to do it because I thought it's too much work. That's just so much work. Um, but really I found out it doesn't feel like work. It's really cool. So, um, it's fun to do what I, I will say what I hate and this has nothing to do with the writing and it may be just opinion, but I hate when text does not, when there's no contrast or the contrast is not done well between the background and the text, or when you use a font that is like some type of crazy cursive. Yes. To me, that is the pinnacle. I mean, it just bothers me to no end because I don't care how good your work is. I will not read it. I will not strain my eyes and try to figure out because you put dark red against light red and thought it would look cool with a black outline. Your words could be amazing. And I feel bad a lot of times, but I'm like, God, this person could be a great writer. But I see it like mostly when I'm ex- doing the explore thing because I don't generally follow people that do that because it bothers my eyes. That's something that's like a pet peeve of mine. I would much rather have just simple.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed, totally. It, it's it's tough. It well, it detracts from the the mood that you're trying to set. So
1: yeah, it's so it's so staunch. It's like you see it, and it's like ugh. And then to try to get into something to read it, it's for me anyways, that's just my opinion. And I know that you agree partially with that, but I do. Yeah. And it sucks because it's like, I don't want to diminish the work or whatever, but it's like, if you want somebody to read it and maybe you don't want anybody to read it, maybe you don't care. I would wonder why you'd be posting it on Instagram, but, or maybe you just don't have an eye for it, but I will tell you colors that, um, colors that work are pretty easy to find. And if you can't black over white's just great. Cause it I want to read. The
0: work. Yeah. I want to, I want the, once I want it to be driven by the words Yep. for sure. So, you know, we don't collab very much at mm-hmm. all. We, we don't. Um, and, but we did recently sort of accidentally fall into a collaboration. You called me and asked me about a piece and, and I was like, Ooh, you know, and I came up with a word and we were like, Hey, do you want to collaborate? So I thought it might be fun since people have now listen to what our our individual process is if we read our collab um before we close out so what do you think of that Put
1: absolutely and you know i will defer to you you will be reading the collab
0: i will I've be read, reading the collab
1: <laughs> i've i've read two pieces tonight and that's two more than i wanted to
0: <laughs> i'm just gonna like tell you it's myself. possible that the dog is gonna bark again so i'm warning you all right now so this is what happens when you record a podcast at home people It's real. I just want to get this out, though. Yeah. Okay. Trying to make this thing happen. We are. We're going to make it happen. Okay. So this is called Here's to You, Kid. And this is by Prose of a Common and Poetica, ex machina. Here's to the good times, young love, and believing the best is yet to come. Here's to stolen kisses, summer camp, and talking till 2 a.m. while falling asleep to digital breath. It's over the pants, but under the shirt. It's after school before your parents come home. It's exploration, the thrill of getting caught. Here's to the silliest and most intoxicating kind of love, the type that screams to an end and takes a bit of you every time you get lost in it. It's without responsibility or expectation. It's naive and timeless. It has a shelf life, but you eat it anyway without fear of the stomach ache. Here's to stupid. Here's to free. Here's to you. Here's to me.
1: And here's to you kid. And I love this piece.
0: Here's to you kid. I love it too. I love it too. Um so in closing cuz we're getting close to the top of our hour I just wanted to say yet again, and I know that both, um, producer Paul and Corey share the sentiment that we're so grateful for our listeners. We're so grateful for our followers and that the poetry community on Instagram in particular, um, is just amazing. And I'm floored every day by the talent and the love and the inclusion that comes, um, that comes from uh, the people that we surround ourselves with. So Corey, do you have anything you want to say in the end?
1: Yeah, I just want to say, I hope that it comes across that, um, we do this because we want to support that community. We don't, um, I don't look at myself as an authority. I actually see Chris as an authority, but I know she doesn't see herself that way. But we uh, we do this because we've discovered things about writing and about having a writing partner. And we want, we want to talk about it because we know you're discovering those same things about Instagram, about writing. And maybe we can have discussions and get a little uh, experience and wisdom from each other.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would encourage anyone who has questions about our process about writing in general or about the podcast to reach out via Instagram. If you're an Instagrammer, I am at poetica underscore x underscore machina. And Corey is at con, And that's prose P-R-O-S-E. Um, you can also email me at poetica machina at gmail.com. Um, And we're happy to answer any of your questions. We may even answer them at the top of our next podcast. Uh, So the last thing that I want to do is thank our ever wonderful producer, Paul.
1: Thank you, Paul. Welcome. Thank you as well
0: you always make this yeah you are amazing you do all the hard work we just shoot the shit and talk so thank you everybody for joining us for episode two we're really excited about episode three where we talk to cat ivy about spoken word poetry and we will sign off and talk to you next week
1: see you next time bye guys